I think the very first step as a university who is who is looking to implement EdTPA is, is to get the right people on board. Does your program or state participate in EdTPA? The probability is pretty high. As more and more programs and states adopt EdTPA standards, teacher preparation professionals are thrown into the proverbial deep end. To help you navigate those EdTPA waters, we interviewed Dr. Lisa Barron. Dr. Barron prepares pre-service teachers for EdTPA at Austin P. State University and also serves on the EdTPA National Academy of Consultants. Lisa is a lovely guest and she shares a lot of actionable advice for our listeners. So let's get right to my interview with Dr. Barron. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Barron. Is it okay if I call you Lisa? Absolutely, please do. That's what I like better. So I noticed that you were, for a decade, you were a K through five music teacher. Mm-hmm. And just to get to know you a little bit better, I wanted to know what was your favorite piece of music to teach? You know what I love to teach was how stories and literature and music went together. That that was my favorite thing. And to take literature that they were studying in their classes and to put that to music or to use music as a way to let them get into the book or to the story. I, I just think making making literacy a part of music was just such a fun thing to do. And I think it helped Perhaps some of those students who who might have struggled in just the actual reading of the book, but if they have music to kind of open that door for them, it really helped make a difference. So I love that, and I so I loved working with classroom teachers to try to to be collaborative. So it wasn't just music was seen as an isolated related arts, but if it it could be embedded into the classroom. So that was a real challenge to do, but I really enjoyed it. I also enjoyed doing like the uh, introducing students to classics that they might not be aware of, but making it fun, like um, the, like the Nutcracker, all the all the music of the Nutcracker, and and putting dances with that, and then playing little instruments with that. So suddenly it wasn't just this um, classical music that that was you know unreachable or unapproachable, but it just made it fun. And then they would say, oh, I heard that on a commercial, you know, and then they, you know, it becomes part of them. So those were my two things that I really, really enjoyed. I love teaching music, especially the elementary, because they were, they were just all in. They, they didn't have any reservations. They didn't have any preconceived ideas. They didn't feel most of the time they didn't, you know, already feel like self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. And so if I said, let's, let's get up and dance with scarves, they were all about that. You know? <laughs> so, but, you know, as they get older, of course, then they start feeling, you know, self-conscious. And then what are their friends going to say? And so anyway, it was a fun job. Oh, that does sound like a lot of fun. It makes me want to be a music teacher now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how did you make the leap from being a music teacher to higher education? So I went from music actually into administration. So I was an assistant principal at my the same elementary school uh, for two years. And during that time, I, I started getting advanced degrees, a master's and an uh, educational specialist degree, and then went into an EDD program. And then during that time, I had been doing some adjunct work um, for Austin Peay State University, which is in Clarksville, Tennessee. And... Um, and again, just one thing after another, then a, a door opened that uh, there was going to be um, transition in, in a position. And so they were, they were looking for somebody who could work with student teachers. 
but also we were beginning at that time a brand new assessment called EdTPA. And they wanted somebody who could, you know, get on the ground floor of that with EdTPA. And so it really wasn't a grand scheme. It was just like I said, one door open after another, and I just kind of walked through. So it's it's been a really, really fun transition to in my career. And and even though I enjoy teaching music, what I'm doing now just seems like what I was born to do. And uh, but it's funny because when I was teaching music, that was my thought. I, I'm, I was born to do this, you know. So at every step. Um, it's just like I've been at the right place to really love my job. Um, for our listeners who don't know much about your, your your university, could you tell us a little bit about what it's like at Austin P State? So Austin P is a, a university that is, like you said, in Clarksville, Tennessee. It's located um, northwest of Nashville, and so most people are, you know know basically where Nashville is, northwest of that. Um, actually on the Kentucky border, very close to Kentucky, uh, but about 50 miles northwest of Nashville. And um, we have about 11,000 students and enrollment and I'm one of the fastest growing universities in the state right now. Now that you've been at Austin Peay State for a couple of years, what have you noticed is the most daunting challenge that your program is facing? So I think, and, and this is a national trend, and we, we talk about this on a regular basis, but the decline in enrollment in teacher preparation programs. And um, it's it's a very um, startling, sobering data to, to confront because from the, and we can trace it back to the 70s, how in the 70s, education was the number one declared major across all majors in the universities across the country. And now it's like 4%. And um, so the decline is startling. And because of that decline in teacher prep enrollment, that has, of course, had a huge impact on the number of teachers who are available in the school districts. And so um, the districts that we work with, we work very, very closely with our area school districts, are facing a really um, severe teacher shortage. And so our challenge is to prepare enough teachers to meet the needs of our school districts. And so we're doing everything possible to be innovative, to uh, meet their needs in ways that we haven't thought about before in providing accelerated options for, for teachers that are already teaching. Perhaps they want to add a special education endorsement or perhaps um, uh, there's a high school student and they want to go through in an accelerated fashion. Uh, we're just trying to think of ways uh, kind of out of the box that we can provide uh, teacher education for students who need it, who want to be teachers and need to be out, out in the field teaching. Have any of the out of the box ideas that you've had been pretty fruitful for you so far? So we have one that it's, it's extremely uh, promising. It's called the Early Learning Teacher Residency. It's, it's E-L-T-R, and we have partnered with our largest school district, which is in Clarksville. It's called Clarksville Montgomery School uh, System, and in partnership with them, we are providing completely free tuition, free books, no uh, fees, and free tutoring to a cohort of 40 who, want, who are committed and want to teach in the lowest socioeconomic schools in the district. And wow. so they have a cohort of 20 recently graduated high school students and then 20 
uh, people who have been currently serving as teacher aides or educational assistants in the classroom. So these recent high school graduates, the recent ones who were already working as aides, form the 40 cohort. They have all been hired as educational assistants in the highest, the five highest needs schools in the district. And wow. then in addition to that, they've been given, they have pulled the highest performing teachers in the district, like the top of the 5% of all teachers, and they've put them in those classrooms with these students. That they, so the students, we, we call them teacher residents. The teacher residents are working all day as an educational assistant, getting paid full salary for that, full benefits, working with a master teacher. And then in the afternoons, they come to Austin P and take classes. And those classes are offered in eight week uh, courses. And so they're going to be able to completely finish their requirements for their degree which will be a K-5 and special education license. They'll finish that in three years instead of four. It'll be completely paid for, completely free. They receive tutoring, they receive child care, all the things that they need. And then they are guaranteed to walk, to walk right into a job and be hired as soon as they graduate. So that's 40 right there that's going to be going straight back into the school district we're starting another cohort in the fall with the same model, but these will be for middle school. And so middle school math and science, because that's where the need is right now with our middle schoolers. So that's one way that we're trying to impact, um, impact the teacher shortage, at least with this one school district. We're working with our other school districts in, in maybe doing a, 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 model it uses this as a model but maybe doing a different version of this that uh, it's it's been very exciting to see everybody um, come together part of my role i'm director of teacher education but i'm also a director of education teacher education and partnerships and so we really tried to have honest conversations with our school district partners for them to tell us what they need what we are doing that is working and what we are doing that is not working um, another part of my job that I'm extremely passionate about is EdTPA and to, to be able to lead um, my students, my teacher candidates through EdTPA, but also to work with our faculty and learning how to embed it efficiently and effectively into their classwork and to their courses so that it makes sense. So it's not just this isolated assessment we do at the end but it's embedded throughout the uh, courses and throughout our curriculum. So that's also a very rewarding thing. And then on top of that is our partnerships. The Teacher Education Podcast is brought to you by GoReact. Students often stress over video artifacts for certification. The best way to help? Start recording them from day one with GoReact. They'll be comfortable on camera and have an entire library of GoReact video clips by the time certification rolls around. To find out more, go to goreact.com teachers. That's G-O-R-E-A-C-T dot teachers. You serve on the EdTP National Academy of Consultants, and you've even published a volume entitled A Practical Guide for EdTPA Implementation. So for our listeners that are in the early stages of implementing EdTPA, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to them? 
Yes, and so as a part of being an uh, academy uh, consultant, I, I had the joy of working with universities across the country who are just, some of them just starting to come, kind of wrap their minds around what is that TPA and where do we begin? And so we have that conversation with them a lot. I think the very first step as a university who is, who is looking to implement a TPA is, is to get the right people on board. Find those people in your faculty who are willing to invest the time, have the positive attitude and positive energy toward it, and then provide that small group with the resources they need. Um, I think trying to launch it so that everybody's on board at the same time, uh, that's probably not going to happen. But to just find out, you know, just there's a book called Good to Great from by Jim Collins, and he talks about getting the right people on the bus. Um, so you have to be strategic about how you're going to launch it. Um, and some some universities don't have the luxury of choosing or having the time, you know, to, to do that thoughtful implementation. But if you do have time, that's what I would suggest. Find the right people and then gather the resources. And EdTPA um, has it's a, a wealth of resources that are available now beyond just the handbooks. There are all sorts of resources for academic language. There's resources about just making good choices. That's literally what the resource is called. How, how does a candidate just make the right choices of which classroom to choose or which content focus to, um, to write about? There are um, um, guides according to the content that they could look at. But I think it's important from the faculty standpoint know the handbook, know the resources, and they don't have to know it purposely. Um, I think some of the universities become paralyzed. Um, some of the faculty become paralyzed because they're reluctant to launch it with their students until they feel really comfortable with it. And I just tell them, you just got to, at some point, just deep jump into the deep end of the pool, just jump in and start with a small group of candidates, uh, not with your whole program, but just uh, like just a small group, maybe one content or maybe a few students from different contents. But start with maybe 10 students and just do a pilot. And through working with those 10 students, not only are the faculty going to learn how more about EdTPA, but they're going to learn what works best for them. Uh, what works best in a small program versus a large program is different. Um, if you're an online program as opposed to face-to-face, -face, I mean, there's just a lot of variables. So you just have to learn what works best for you. I like that. It's very practical advice, and it seems like it would work. Pilot with your most enthusiastic and willing teachers and just give them the resources and jump in. So for those listeners who it's not required for them to do EdTPA, what, how, could you explain some of the benefits of it? Maybe preach the good word of EdTPA um, to know why it's so great, why they should want to adopt it? So the great thing about EdTPA, and I'm, I'm unashamedly a supporter of EdTPA, we started EdTPA spring of 2011, and it didn't come become consequential for our university for years after that, but we jumped in, we were early adopter. And um, one of the things that I personally love and appreciate about ETPA is that is it was built on the shoulders of national board, but I'm a national board certified teacher in music. 
So I know what I had to demonstrate and what I had to provide as evidence and artifacts as a National Board teacher. Now we are asking our pre-service teachers to really think like a National Board certified teacher. We are asking them instead of developing a generic lesson plan to show and provide evidence that they can provide a lesson plan that is based on the needs and strengths of their students. It's very student centered. And they and so that all the way through, through the three task planning, instruction assessment, it's all about the students, the P-12 learning. I when I hear my students, my candidates, my teacher candidates talk about their ed TPA, talk about the, the students in their classrooms, they're not talking like a pre-service teacher. They are talking like an educator who is talking about how do I meet the needs of my students? What strategy can I use? What research based theory can I implement? Um, I, I think it gives our candidates something really rich to to discuss with their future employer. Um, I tell our candidates when you're interviewing, you better talk to your future employer about how you know you can engage students in instruction, uh, that you know you can use data to inform instruction because you have the data to prove it. You did it in the EdTPA. And I think it's a rigorous assessment. I think it's something that requires time and commitment and a, a big effort on their part. But when they're through, they can say they have achieved that status as completing EdTPA. Um, I think it's made our program stronger um, in that it's helped us focus on things that perhaps we had not focused on before. It's helped um, bring a common language between the college education and the arts and science faculty um, in that we're all working on the same rubrics. So we're using the same language across contents and across majors. Um, I just, I don't know. I just can't say enough about it. I think, um, I think sometimes it gets a bad rap because it is a national assessment and, you know, it's nationally scored. But for us, that's a good thing because we can compare our scores to scores in the state and scores in the nation. And, you know, sometimes we think we are doing a really good job, but then we see our scores as compared to other national scores where we think, well, you know, we could tighten this up this area, we could tighten up this. And so I think it speaks to our desire for constant program improvement. And it helps us have the data to know where we need to put our efforts to improve our program. One of the uh, last questions I'm gonna ask you, we ask all of our guests, and it is, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing in teacher education in the United States, what would it be? Well, I guess one thing it would be related to two things, actually, it is pay. And um, I would pay teachers more. They work so hard and they deserve more than oftentimes they're getting paid. In addition, I would find a way to pay our student teachers while they're going through student teaching. And um, that's one of the the um, great things about our teacher residency program is that they are being paid uh, as a teacher residence. They're getting a salary and benefits, but many of our students can't afford to take a semester off to go into student teaching. Uh, if they had some kind of pay during that time, and then if they were promised a better salary when they went into teaching, I think it would make a bit of a, a difference of people who are choosing education as a career. 
And then finally, at the end of each of our podcast episodes, we do a lightning round with our guests. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you just need to respond with one word or one sentence answers. Are you ready? I'm ready. Last book you read and enjoyed? Brene Brown. I, I had to look at it. Brave in the Wilderness. I really love Brene Brown. Favorite conference to attend? At TPA National Conference. Your most trusted EdTPA resource? Um, the EdTPA website. It's a, yeah, it's a website. I'm the worst at this. So don't, play, don't play games with me. I'm the worst. <laughs> well, that was the last one. So you okay, did great. Yeah. It, it's the torture is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to thank you so much, Lisa, for joining us on the Teacher Education Podcast. It's, thank you. We appreciate you taking the time and sharing your expertise, especially with EdTPA and partnering with schools. I'm sure that our audience has learned a lot and um, can implement some of the ideas and the, and the things that you've talked about. So thank you so much. Thank you very much. That's it for today. Don't forget to subscribe. If you like what you heard, please rate and review this podcast to help others find us. The Teacher Education Podcast is brought to you by GoReact. This episode was hosted by me, Hilary Gamblin, and produced by Daniel Burt, Joseph Winter, and Jordan Harris. Chad Jardine is our executive producer. Guests on the podcast are expressing personal opinions for informational purposes only. They're not acting as official representatives for their universities or organizations. 